Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. All right, everybody. This is the August 2020 monthly market update. I am your host, Lane Kaoka. But before we get started, the uh, free Easter egg giveaway. And we are going to be giving away a buy and hold analyzer for rentals. This is, uh, you can use it in Google and Excel. Full explanation of all expenses for you to make your own performa and vet your own rental properties. Spot check performance given to you. you know, performa means, means toilet paper in French. Just uh, get rid of it, analyze it yourself, run your numbers yourself. And it allows you to perform some sensitivity analysis on your own. You can get access to that by uh, going to our group, putting in the numbers on the Facebook posts, or you can shoot me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com and uh, let me know and I'll send it over to you. If you guys want to check out more content, join our Facebook group and listen to my podcasts which has been going on since 2016, found on Google Music, Spotify, YouTube. The YouTube channel is getting pretty big and robust now. Uh, we're also on iTunes and iHeartRadio. All right, so first things first, a little bit of teaching points for everybody. Pandemic-proof investing. Now, how do you invest in stuff that won't get destroyed in a pandemic? Well, things that are probably going to remain strong um, as we've seen through the last few months, um, through my 3,500 units that I own, workforce housing, these guys still pay. So Class C, and eh, maybe try and stay away from Class C stuff, but definitely the Class B and A tenants, you know, they're paying. Garden-style apartments. So what garden-style apartments are, these are the two-story or, or one- to three-story apartments where it's sort of think of it like a motel where you drive up to... It is not a high-rise, an apartment. It is sort of medium to light density. And for those people who are unable to afford a house, everybody says they want to you know, get away from other people and have their own house, but very little people in America can afford houses to live in. Garden-style apartments are the best of all worlds. You have your space. It's pretty affordable for them, and this is why I choose to invest in these type of garden-style apartments and other medium-dense suburban locations. So maybe not in the urban urban area, the downtown area, but mostly in the suburban areas, maybe right near the loop track, you know, 20 to 30 minutes outside the city center. Things that I stay away from are elevators. You know, you just can't socially distance in an elevator. Dense urban areas, things with no cash flow, right? Because I think you've seen in the pandemic that things that aren't, Producing income to pay its expenses are going to get hurt. A lower end tenants, and this is where I said, you know, maybe stay away from Class C tenants. It's definitely Class D and worse. That's always been a fundamental that we've followed. 
uh, short-term rentals are getting killed. Um, although I hear a little bit of resurgence in some of the, um, you know, in some areas of Florida, as people there's some pent-up demand coming back online. But you know, if you live in Hawaii, you're getting killed with these short-term rentals, and that's why I told you not to do them in the first place. Uh, pro-tenant states, so these are like the California, these other um, places, love blue states where there's moratoriums on no evictions. Office space, you know, a lot of tech workers, I mean, a lot of them are just told that they may not even come back till the beginning of next year, if, if ever. A lot of people have just told their employees just to work remotely from now on. Uh, San Francisco Bay Area is getting killed. Again, this is why we chose not to invest in these type of primary markets. John Burns came up with a report, and the question is, are you or do you know anybody else living with their parents? Well, they came up with this little stat that for those adults ages 23 to 30, living at home with your mom and dad has drastically been going up. 30,000 people in March, and then in April, a million people, and then May, another million, 1.1 folks moved in with their parents. So that is on the rise. And that leads us to a Red Cafe article where the takeaway here was a quarter of renters now say they will never buy a home. So if you're looking at this in the YouTube channel, you're seeing a cool little chart um, where they surveyed about 7,000 renters in May. Yeah, a lot of people just don't plan to buy a house. You know, I don't, I don't buy a house to live in. And if you're living in a rent-to-value ratio under 1%, I would urge you to do not buy a place to live in, but instead invest that money. Uh, check out my article, simplepassivecashflow.com slash home, talking all about this very controversial topic. But look at it this way, right? You don't spend money on a big down payment and you go out and invest that money and you make cash flow. And it's basically an arbitrage. Now, I know everybody teaches you otherwise. And I would say for most people, it makes sense because most people aren't, Finance, financially responsible. So home is sort of a forced savings account for them because if they didn't put the money into a mortgage that got locked up, they probably spend it. But you know, those of us who kind of follow our group, part of our tribe, simple passive cash flow folks, you know, we're pretty responsible for our money. We don't spend our money um, frivolously. So for those of us, it probably makes sense to rent our primary residence, use that equity to go and buy assets. And then, you know, we don't have that big mortgage payment. And then we can go out and um, acquire more pro properties or syndications quicker. You can also probably live in a nicer place too. The whole thing of home ownership, I think is a little overrated, but um, just, uh, just here giving ideas, right? Cool map of estimated net worth of everybody who, every person in each state who is the richest person. So Mark Zuckerberg is 81 million billion dollars in California. Washington have Jeff, Jeff Bezos, 117 billion. Hawaii is Pierre O'Dammer. I don't even know who that is. But uh, Alice Walton, 51 billion. We have a lot of Texas people. Some notables. We have some people in Maryland and D.C., Ted Lerner family. Ray Dalio's up there in Connecticut at 18 billion. Yeah, a lot of us in our group are California or Oregon. We have a lot of people in Oregon. Phil Knight and family, 40 billion. A lot of folks on the West Coast. It's kind of a fun, a fun article there. Most and least affordable cities from home ownership. It's kind of a no-brainer here, but 
in graphical representation from NAR Realty data. The West Coast is probably some of the most unaffordable areas, but in there, the worst is San Jose, California, and one of the better areas is Spokane, Washington. And I think we have actually a participant from the area of Spokane, Washington. Shout out to Evan if he's listening. So we like to invest in the South and Southeast. Uh, Phoenix is one of the least affordable places in the South. South. Phoenix is actually a pretty good market, in my opinion, and it's not too expensive. A lot of people from California move out there. But yeah, in terms of the South, it's one of the more expensive places. Amarillo, Texas is one of the most affordable ones. Yeah, kind of a nice little little fun map to to where is the nice places to live. And I, I took a screenshot of some of the chatter that's been happening in our private Facebook group. But I'm seeing people move out of San Francisco Bay Area, lower cost areas in California since COVID has enabled them to work remotely. Real estate seems to be picking up in those areas of Sacramento or El Dorado County. Is you don't get much more for your money while still being you get a little bit more for your money while still being relatively close to the epicenter that is San Francisco and San Jose. Another person commented, rents on average in San Francisco are down 12% from peak highs as much as 20% in some areas. No. That's just one person from the Hui, but to be honest, I go, I use my network a lot. I mean, a lot of you folks are my eyes and ears out there and hearing stuff like that is a lot more reliable than what you can find in the news a lot of times. And, you know, nothing beats going into Facebook Marketplace and seeing what the rents are doing, especially for someone who's been following up on it and kind of watching it, watching the needle, like a lot of you guys. A lot of this data that we read from these news articles, there's quite a bit of lag, typically. Where saving for a down payment is the slowest? Hawaii, District of Columbia, and California. These are three places where... The median home values in D.C. and Hawaii are a little over $700,000. That sounds about right. I mean, you can't pick up a house here in Hawaii. I mean, yeah, you can pick up a house, but it's going to be kind of crummy for six hundred grand. California is just under $600,000 median home value. If you're working with a down payment of 20%, time to save for a down payment is 9.1 years for Hawaii, 8.7 years in D.C., 7.8 years in California. So if you can save up enough money to buy a house, well, there's only 30, 30 or 20 more years you have to work, more than likely. So I asked the question, why buy in these kind of places, to be honest, just invest. But I've been told I need to be a little bit more, uh, less controversial. You know, if you can't save your money, then please buy. But if you can invest, I think, I think the, you're going to end up better off than the most. Multi-housing news reports that senior housing occupancy slips to an all-time low. Now, a lot of you guys have mentioned to me that, you know, you see senior housing, the trends, they call it the silver wave. I totally agree with you guys. So uh, senior housing is going to be in a huge demand, assisted living. But I don't think the silver wave is quite here yet. And it's a very hard operational asset class and to me it shouldn't really be in the real estate category i mean it's an operational business to me uh, definitely not for a mom and pa investor to operate you know, a mom and pa operator could possibly invest in apartments and be okay but definitely not senior housing 
The occupancy fell 2.8 percentage points in the second quarter, dropping to 87% to 84%. So yeah, this I mean, this is some of the fallout from COVID, senior housing. I wouldn't want the liability of that right now. Commercial property executive reports that the top five secondary markets for self-storage development. So I've been looking into self-storage lately. I haven't um, jumped in quite yet. I originally, you know, one of my things I don't quite like about self-storage is that how you can develop this stuff so quickly. And typically, it'll compete directly with what you're doing. You know, there's not really any class B or C self-storage out there, like how you buy class B and C apartments. And then when a class A apartment or class A self-storage com- comes online, it'll compete directly with you. Whereas like, you know, if we're buying class B apartments and then a class A apartment gets built across the street, well, it kind of competes with us, but not really. We're, you know, you're in a different category for customers. But on this, uh, some of the top five secondary markets for self-storage development, Augusta, Providence, Knoxville, Rochester, Rochester, Springfield. Self-storage, I mean, I think the appeal there is you have no tenants. You know, they have no rights, just stuff. So you're not going to have any. It's going to take a lot for there to be some laws against you no know, evictions or kicking you out on the street for that. So that's, that's why it's very in favor of the landlord or the operator. So not all markets have um, come down a little bit since uh, COVID kind of cooled off the market temporarily. Postar is reporting that Huntsville's apartment market remains resilient at mid-pandemic. A little graph of the same store asking rent just keeps going up through what was when COVID start March, mid-March. Yep, went up from 93% to 95%. We're in that market, so I can totally attest to that. Things are just keeps going up in the stronger markets. Uh, I think part of that is just job growth. Uh, on the contrary, Jacksonville family, multifamily market report is seeing a li- little bit of a slide, 30 basis points in rents in the last three months. Well, some people, you know, some of my uh, peers that have deals in Jacksonville saying that their deals are, are, aren't seeing this, but, you know, this is just big data, right? We're trying to show on a market. Commercial property executive also reports construction costs decreased for the first time in a decade. The COVID-19 pandemic and increased competition among contractors are key factors behind the decline. So, you know, as, as a lot of operators are or our contractors or developers, builders, or you know, kind of taking their foot off the gas pedal in terms of future deals, um, they might also slow down into existing ones too. And, you know, less competition coming online. And it generally kind of slows down the pace of construction and that, you know, ultimately impacts the contractors. I think if you would have asked us uh, about six months ago, you know, one of another reasons why I don't like doing that silly burst strategy, which is too much effort and too much risk, is because much of the last few years has been a contractor's market, right? Contractors, any, if you're not a contractor and you're not working, something's wrong with you. It's hard to find good contractors up until this point because everybody's working. So it's really hard for unsophisticated new investors, especially when you're trying to do it remotely, to uh, find people, good people to work with. Uh, you know, you got a question, how, why is this person not working and want to work with me? Well, maybe you're paying a stupid price too. That could be another thing that's very typical remote investors. And now, now it's kind of a good news, right? Generally, 
you know, things are kind of cooling off, less competition. So now's the time to go and build, right? I think a lot of newer investors are scared, right? This is the time where you can go in and you can do, get this work done a lot cheaper. You know, overall unemployment's higher. A lot of these construction guys, the jobs have been absorbed. The Yardi came up with a, uh, a report on multifamily, and I'm just going to read some of the key findings here. The U.S. multifamily rents decreased by $2 in June. You know, not that much, falling to an average of $1,457. And this is all-inclusive of, you know, A, B, C class average rents. So it's continuing the four-month trend of declines, which makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, went to a pandem- pandemic here. I expect, you know, rents to retrace a little bit. Average U.S. rents declined by 0.8% in the first half of 2020 and then 0.4% in the second quarter. This is a stark contrast from 2.6% rent growth in the first half of 2009 and one2 Now, most people will argue that on average... 3% is uh, annual rent increase per year. You know, that's kind of just follows the pace of inflation. If a market is super hot, like how Dallas was in 2013 and 14, or how Phoenix has been lately, you can see a big pop in a, in a market. When you mean a market, more of like an MSA of like a Phoenix Metro of 5 to 7% a year. So to see a, a rent growth of almost zero. That makes sense. I mean, this is going to happen from time to time. And this is why on those rent, annual rent escalators, you don't want to see something too high. I don't really underwrite more than 2% typically when I'm looking at deals. Uh, you know, I'm assuming it's going to go up a little bit, but I want to underpace inflation, which is typically thought as 3%. Who are the losers? Well, it's the West Coast and tech hub markets, as we were saying, hit the hardest in the first half of 2020. Since the beginning of the year, rents are down 4.6% in San Jose and 3.8% in San Francisco. RE Business Online reports that U.S. multifamily originations to decline 20 to 41% in 2020, says Freddie Mac. So all this is, is less people are doing deals. And yeah, I mean, the last three, four months, I haven't really seen very much come through the inbox. Probably, I would say... Unscientifically, I would say maybe a tenth or you know twenty percent of what kind of volume of syndicated deals I see has been coming through. Part of that is that I think most most investors are just freaked out and scared, and people can't raise the money for it. Part of another part is that you know Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and they kind of lead a lot of lenders. They've kind of restricted a lot of the exceptions they will give that makes these loans extra extra sweet for syndicators and investors we are at all-time interest rate lows if you haven't been seeing this you've probably been living under a rock but yeah we're seeing in the multifamily space like 2.9 percent interest rate it is obscene it almost makes sense for people to buy lukewarm deals Right. I mean, think about it like this. It's not going to be a sub 3% forever. If you're cash flowing, like you want to lock up all this good debt now. I mean, there's all signs point to inflation. How else are you going to pay for this three, four, five, seven trillion dollars of stimulus that's coming? If you have a primary residence, you might be looking at refinancing your home, but I would be careful, right? Because these lenders are really tricky. 
they love to get these origination fees, typically 1%. So they're always trying to trick you guys into refinancing. I'd say be careful, right? If you already have a low percent mortgage under 4%, I mean, it may not make sense. Remember, like if you had a 30-year mortgage and you know a few years went by, you have 27 years left, by them refinancing you again, they put you into a new mortgage. So what you really want to do to compare apples to apples is to say, hey, run my, run my numbers. I want to put it as a 27-year mortgage so I can compare it monthly payments and I want you to, to make it a no fee loan. Now the, you, these guys can play around with the points and fees and a lot of times they'll make it a no fee loan so they can say yeah see it's no fees but then what they're doing is they're increasing the percentage slightly. So if the base would be was like three and a half percent they might increase it to 3.75 to make it a, to take out their fees there so they could get paid. So these buggers are tricky so uh do you do a math for yourself? And if you can't do the math, find a network. And, you know, you know, we talk about this stuff in our mastermind all the time. I would say if you're looking to stay in your home for a long time, more than five or 10 years, it might be make sense to refinance it. But yeah, if you're not, it might make sense to just sell the asset now if it's not a good rental property or and get the equity out now or just let the mortgage ride for the time being and, and avoid paying those friction costs, which are those loan origination fees. Been investing with AHP since 2017 to buy distressed mortgages and discounts to offer struggling families sustainable solutions to stay in their homes. When homes were vacant, AHP recognized that lenders frequently struggled as they tried to limit their losses. That's why owner George Newberry founded Pre-REO, a platform that gets these vacant properties into the hands of local investors like us during the foreclosure process, which mitigates losses to lenders and accelerates returns for investors. A win-win. I'm very excited about this platform that connects local investors with court-appointed receivers in their area to cost-effectively repair, lease, and maintain and rent vacant homes during the foreclosure process and ultimately make a profit. I've been checking out local properties here in Hawaii and I think it's a great way to finally pick up my home to live in, even though I think homes to buy aren't probably the best. You can learn more about Pre-REO by going to simplepassivecashflow.com slash Pre-REO. Sam Zell. Now this is a smart guy. Uh, if you haven't heard of him, you should probably Google him, but he's kind of like a czar of investing. He's less known than Warren Buffett. But he's, he probably invests in more like more trends. So I think he's a one that a lot of people like to follow. But he's kind of predicting a U-shaped recovery likely beginning in the fall. He's saying we basically improved somewhat. I think that we're going to have some kind of slow period improving toward the end of the year. That's very different from a radical V-shape. Again, he's he's kind of thinking it's going to be more of a U-shape. So Sam Zell's, you know, he's invested in, I think he was one of the first guys who jumped on the mobile home park bandwagon. But yeah, smart guy and a good person to kind of follow, see what he's doing. And, you know, I think a lot of people will say, well, yeah, if Sam Zell says in the fall, start investing in the fall or shortly after, like, no, that's not, you can't do that. Like, you're going to miss out on some of the best bull market. I mean, that's all I got to say about that. Um, let's take a little break here for another giveaway. The uh, Another second Easter egg here is amortized mortgages suck. You want to use your HELOC if you're looking to pay off your mortgage 
of a fraction of the time. Do you want access to this? Shoot me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow after joining the club. If you have not a part of our investor club, go and join at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. But this is the mortgage rate arbitration game where you're using your HELOC and you're paying, you're paying down your amortized loan with simple interest. And trust me, this works. The, what the, I've got a little process here. You can probably read this on the YouTube uh, channel or in the video version. But if you guys are listening in the podcast form, just go ahead and shoot me an email lane at Simple Passive Cash where I can give you all the tutorials and videos on this. Uh, but it works. You um, you pay off your HELOC, you replenish it with your cash flow, and then you magically, your mortgage is gone in like five to seven years. Sounds cool, but I would caution a lot of people like the strategy is not for everyone and it is nothing compared to actually investing in good hard assets that pay cash flow. And I think this is where a lot of people get confused right? They, they're like, well, I want to pay off my debt. Well, paying off your debt is not aligned with financial freedom. In many respects, the debt is the best part of this whole thing. Like I said earlier, inflation is going to be going up because we have all this free created money, especially in the last few months. What the government is going to do is just inflate the money supply to make their debts smaller in proportion. So what you want to be doing is grabbing as much hard assets that have good debt associated with them so you can pay it off with future money, whether that is buying a rental property or going into a large syndicated deal at 2.9%. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Don't take your money. Well, I'm not saying don't, but if you want to be smart about it and you want to do the best strategy, in my opinion, don't take your money that you have in a HELOC and put it to paying off your debt. Again, the debt is, is you want debt. You want to lock up good debt. You don't want to go pay it off. Instead, so take that HELOC money and go buy rental properties or go into leverage deals with that. I, I talk a lot about this in the, uh, the tutorial. It's somewhere on my YouTube channel, but you, you guys can Google it on there too. Yeah, a lot of people just don't understand it. They, uh, they think they want to be debt-free, which is... You know, I guess that's that's one thing. Like, I think they're getting it confused with consumer debt, right? Like, you definitely don't want to be leveraged on your credit cards at twenty percent. But when you have three to five percent interest rate on assets that produce income, that's you want to load up on that stuff as much as you can get. Uh, I wrote an f- article in Forbes on this. Uh, you can check out at simplepassivecashflow.com/debt. So it's a very big paradigm shift, of course. If you haven't checked out, we created a new spinoff group for new investors looking to pick up their first few rental properties or remote rentals turnkeys. We are starting that on August 15th. So if you want to join, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash incubator. If you got any friends who've been bugging you about how you've been investing in real estate and uh, tired of them bugging you and you just want them to work under our umbrella with the people that we've worked with in the past. They don't have to go around and blind date a whole bunch of providers and brokers. This is the group for you. But if you're more of an accredited investor looking to get uh, associated with our our close-knit inner circle, uh, check out the uh, Simple Passive Cashflow Passive Investor Accelerator Mastermind, simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey to learn more about that. 
The preceding offers general personal finance information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor's situation is unique. Always seek the services of professional tax and legal advisors before relying on any information you take herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The preceding offers general personal finance information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor's situation is unique. Always seek the services of professional tax and legal advisors before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk.